All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, Brother Garcia was here with us last week. He mentioned that um, his, his messages cons- consist of an introduction and a closing, and uh, for most people, hopefully those two are as close as possible. Uh, that reminds me, as someone said, a, a liberal's message is a lot like livestock. A point here and a point there and a lot of bull in between. Amen. All right. I'm sure, they've, I'm sure the liberals have told that one and put it on us. So, you know, turnabout is fair play, isn't it? Matthew chapter 24. Now, uh, we studied recently on the five judgments in Scripture. And uh, one of those judgments is the Great Tribulation Period. And uh, the Great Tribulation Period is, is a period of time yet to come. Uh, it's going to come after the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church. And really, uh, this period of time, for, for seven years, the Daniel 70th week, the Great Tribulation, designating the last three and a half years of this period of time, is God's going to do some reckoning with Israel. Uh, He is going to go back and fulfill some promises that he made to a very old man a very long time ago. And that very old man was Abraham. And this period of time in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, or excuse me, verse 7, is called Jacob's Trouble. Jacob's Trouble. And by the way, that's one of the reasons, one of many reasons, why the church is not going to be around during that period of time. And there are some, there are some that will have the try to have the church going through the tribulation period, but uh, it's, it's out of sync with Scripture. Uh, God is taking care of some business with Israel during this period of time. Uh, he's going to pass judgment on the world in many ways, but for the most part, he's chastening Israel back to himself so that when Jesus comes back at the second advent, take your Bibles and just keep your hand here in Matthew 24 and uh, go to uh, Zechariah. And uh, Zechariah is the second to the last book of the Old Testament, just before Malachi. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do something unthinkable to the minds of the modern ministry. We are going to study the Bible on Sunday morning. Imagine that. I can imagine that because I believe we have a church full of people that come here to study the Bible. So that's what we're going to do. Zechariah chapter 12, and Zechariah chapter 12, and the context here is the redeeming and reclaiming of of Israel at the Lord's return. And we look at verse 9, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Do you have the feeling that anti-Semitism is... Is, uh, is growing in this world. It's amazing in light of so many facts and so much profession of tolerance and wokeness that uh, this gorilla in the living room just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And he says in verse 9, he says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I, speaking of God, will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David, verse 10, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. Now watch this. 
and they shall look upon me whom they have what? Pierced. That's just God talking, and they'll look upon me. Who did they pierce? Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus? He's God. And the Bible says they shall look upon me whom they pierced and shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in distress for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And the bottom line here, folks, is by the time this seven-year period of time is over with and, and it gets down to the end and the whole, literally the, the world has gathered together against uh, the nation of Israel, and really against God, uh, by the leadership of the Antichrist, uh, Israel will be ready to receive Christ, whereas the first time he came, of course, they rejected him. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 24, and before we go any further, let's ask God for his help. Father, we need you. Um, there's more here that could be said in 20 Sundays. And so we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your understanding to say only those things that you want said. And then help us receive them, especially the word of God. Help us never, Lord, those of us that have been saved for decades, grow accustomed or jaded to these great truths. Lord, you've given Bible prophecy to us as a gift. And Lord, that our understanding might be fruitful in perilous times, and certainly we are in the middle of perilous times. So Father, uh, help me to bring that which is important and edifying and necessary, and Lord, that I not hinder the working of the Holy Spirit. Please anoint your word to our hearts and minds, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Not too long ago, we preached another message about seven mysteries in the Word of God. Two of those mysteries were the mystery of iniquity and the mystery Babylon. And I remarked to you when we talked about the mystery of iniquity, you, you, you look around and you look at things that are happening and they're happening at, at such a rapid rate and, and you wonder why people who are normally rational and have some common sense can't see what's going on in this world policies coming out of the White House, policies coming out of uh, in international gatherings like the United Nations, and, and, and they're so anti-God and, and, and really anti-productive to anything for anybody. But in the name of progress, people are becoming woke, and there's all manner of insanity going on, and you wonder, what's behind us? You know, there's a temptation to always look for a flesh and blood reason. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. And so there are principalities, there's powers, there's spiritual wickedness in high places. And so this mystery of iniquity was already working in Paul's day, and it's just accelerating in our day. Now, when we look at prophecy, I'm going to say to you this morning, and I, I believe before we're done studying Matthew chapter 24 and, and chapters and, and portions of Scripture connected to it, I'm going to say to you this morning that prophecy is a gift to God's people. It's a gift to God's people. Eschatology, the study of end times things, is a gift to God's people so we can give the times that we're in some context. 
But can I say to you very clearly, and anybody that's honest will acknowledge this, we see, when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to eschatology, we see through a glass darkly. God gives us some broad things, some general things to help us understand trends and understand uh, 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 doctrines and, 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 and be able to put events that we see in a, in a context. But he's not going to give us the name, address, and uh, phone numbers of all the participants. So don't wear yourself out looking for that kind of stuff. In fact, in doing so, you're going to get yourself out of the Bible. So, so prophecy is a wonderful thing, but get your prophecy from the Word of God. Now, again, keep your hand here in Matthew 24. We're going to get there, okay? Don't worry. But I want you to uh, look at Revelation chapter 19, because these are, these are supporting, supporting concepts that will help us understand some of the things we need to know as we venture into this chapter. Revelation chapter 19, and in Revelation 19, you have the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth at the end of the tribulation period to bring in the millennial reign, the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth, a time of peace and prosperity. But look at verse 10. John is overwhelmed with the things that he has seen and heard. And the Bible says in verse 10, And I, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. Now watch this last statement. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's something about the gospel and prophecy that are inseparably connected to one another. One promotes the other. And, and so I've said to you over and over again that as believers, as we see the decline of our country and society and the world in, in every discipline of life that we can imagine, we, we don't need to be sitting there wringing our hands and staring out like a deer looking into headlights. This is, this is our time, folks. This is our time when we can say to people, hey, all this craziness you're looking at, God told us it was going to happen that way. And it all points to Jesus Christ coming back. And folks, the field is ripe unto harvest. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now look, I, I don't live in a glass bubble or an ivory tower. I live in the same world you live in. And, and I don't like what I see going on around me. I, I, I don't like it. In fact, I, I just grabbed a, a couple of... Uh, editions of the Epic Times. It's, it's a more conservative uh, newspaper, uh, but just, just some of the headlines on the front pages of these, you know, I, I said to the men last night, you don't have to look for the news behind the news. The news is bad enough. <laughs> and, and just here's some of the headlines here, okay? Um, cyber attacks against K-12 through schools in the United States are increasing. With efforts to combat them, hampered by inadequate security procedures and a lack of data collection by federal agencies. You, you know what? You know what that's all saying? 
The World Wide Web has is, is got a mind of its own, and it's taking over, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we've unleashed the genie out of the bottle. Uh, how about this one? U.S. negotiates deal to give uh, World Health Organization authority over pandemic policies. Oh, that's a great idea. And, of course, that's coming from this current administration and uh, our beloved president. <laughs> Uh, here's another one. Russia suspends participation in nuclear weapons treaty with U.S. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, bank failures last week. You know, for some of us that are old enough, uh, we think in terms of shades of 29. Who knows? Uh, here's another one. South, this is all on the front page of one, one edition. Uh, South African farmers say power blackouts destroying food production. Now, you know, in this country where we have abundance of food, we don't think this will ever hit us. Of all of the headlines that concern me the most is all of this nonsense about changing global warming and the climate and tilting the earth the way it should be tilted and all the other nonsense that man arrogantly thinks he can do is, ca is causing it to be harder and harder and harder for farmers to grow food. Uh, Belgium and, and, and they're in the Netherlands recently. Uh, they had big protests by the farmers where they all drove their tractors to the capital because these policies are making it impossible for them to grow food. Guess what? If they grow food, we don't eat. And I'll tell you something right now. Of all the things you need, food and clean water, humanly speaking, are the most important. And when you don't have those, nothing else matters. Uh, that's just the front page here. Okay, so here's, a, here's another, another bit of encouragement here. <clears throat> almost, almost, and I'm not trying to rub your nose in this. You see this all the time. I'm just making a point here. Almost 80% of Americans aged 17 to 24 unfit for military service. Almost 80%. You read the article, it's 77%. Department of Defense report says 77% of young Americans are physically unqualified to enter the armed forces, a 6% increase from 2017. Now, on the same page, our administration knows what to do to help, man. I'll tell you what, when, when things start going bad uh, with the military, they know, how to, they know how to get everybody encouraged and, and encourage recruitment. Are you ready for this? The Biden administration's radical policies that affect the culture of the military um, may make 2023 one of the most, you ready for this, transformative years in the history of U.S. armed forces, political analysts say. The most transformative years. <laughs> in other words, they're going to jam more of this woke nonsense onto the military so some of our best men quit. Okay. Now, now folks, I, I don't think I have to stand here and convince you this morning that things are crazy, and they're getting crazier. And folks, that's why it's, it's time more than ever to get our focus on the Word of God and to look at what Bible prophecy says and what it doesn't say. And don't end up on rabbit trails that take us into more of this discouragement, folks. Uh, folks, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and when you look at Matthew chapter 24, you are looking at one of the, one of the, the uh, pivotal links 
of prophecy and all of the word of God because it looks forward to the book of Revelation and backward to the book of Daniel and as important as anything else, it's Jesus' direct response to his disciples' questions about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, folks, we couldn't do any better than where we're going to be this morning in Matthew chapter 24. Let's take a look at verse 1. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say uh, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, what's important about this is Jesus brings up the subject of Bible prophecy. The disciples did not. The disciples were showing them the buildings. Hey, look at the buildings we got here. Isn't this great? And, and the Lord is the one that, that, that changed the subject. He segued their remarks about the buildings into a discussion about his return. Folks, prophecy is a gift that God has given to his people. So we don't have to look around and wonder what all of these megatrends mean. We, we have the word of God to give us context in all of this. And so Jesus is the one that brings up the subject. Now, the disciples take the bait. And the Bible says in verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, <clears throat> when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, if you read commentaries <clears throat> excuse me, on verse 3, they get into all kinds of arguments, whether this was three questions or two questions. And frankly, I don't care, okay? So if I was writing a commentary on verse 3, I would point out the things I've already pointed out, and whether it was two questions or three questions, I would write, I don't care, okay? Because the bottom line is, is the way Jesus answers all of this. And look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, notice the first thing he says. He says, take heed that no man what? Deceive you. Now, I know all of us here in this room, including this guy right here, could never be deceived about these things. This is a group of undeceivables. So why the Lord said that, it must have been for somebody else, right? <laughs> Can we all try to remember something? Uh, the devil isn't going to use, if we're talking about fundamental Bible-believing independent, Baptist, premillennial, pre-trib rapture, dispensational Christians. The devil isn't going to come after us with a bunch of woke nonsense. You're not going to fall for that. He's going to come at us with some other deception. Okay? He's going to get us wound up in some other things, and his bottom line, it doesn't matter where it takes you or how it takes you there. His bottom line is to get you out of this book so that in the end, as you watch things unravel, you will not take your comfort and your strength, and are you ready for this? Your marching orders from God. You'll be getting them from somewhere else. 
And if you spend too much time on, on individuals' theories about what's going on, what's really going on, which, by the way, most of it's written by unsaved men who don't know what's going on, okay? And some of them have some pretty good theories. Hey, I got some pretty good theories too. But you know what they're worth? They're worth what a theory is worth. Wait and see and we'll see what happens. And then in the end, so what? Except maybe bragging rights. Hey, I was right. And you can give me a pin that says I was right. <laughs> Folks, whatever the devil can do to get us out of the word of God, he'll do it. And, and look, he's got a wrench for every nut. So remember something. We can be deceived if we're not careful. So Bible prophecy is a gift, folks. And it's a gift from God. And that's why we got to keep our focus on the word of God when it comes to prophecy. Well, this guy over here said this, that, and another. And he's got the name, address, and phone numbers of all the culprits and participants. And you know, you can't find this stuff in the Bible. You got to go over here to get it. And then pretty soon you're going to get a little more over here, a little more over here, a little more over here. And you're not even going to get it. That's not even going to be in your peripheral anymore. And you know, as far as the devil's concerned, that's just as good as getting you tied up in a bunch of woke nonsense. That's just as good as Goldie Hawn standing up in front of a, uh, a, a Senate uh, subcommittee and saying, the earth has a fever. He doesn't care. Huh? Hey, you go too far off the left, you'll fall off a cliff. You go too far off the right, and you'll still fall off a cliff. So God gives us prophecy as a gift. And Jesus, the first thing he says to us in verse 4 as soon as they asked the question uh, about, about prophetic matters, that Jesus uh, initiated the conversation, the first thing he says is, take heed that no man deceive you. These are his disciples he's talking about. Folks, we need to take this to heart. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. Well, some people just think if it's in writing, it's got to be true. Man, nothing could be further from the truth, especially in this day of internet and social media. Don't have your antennas up except to this book. Have your antennas up to this book and, and believe what God's word says and use this as your filter for everything you see in here. Not something or someone else. And folks, are you ready for this? Certainly not your human reason. Because no matter how smart and sharp and discerning you are, there's something deceitful enough coming by that can, that can get you off track if you don't filter it through this. Let this be the lens that we look at our world at and through. And that's always been the case and never will change. It's just that Jesus, the first thing he says is, take heed that no man deceive you. Now look at verse 5. Why? For many, for many shall come in my name, in my name, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, I am Christ and, and shall deceive many. Now you say, well, well there's one right there. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't need anything or anybody to tell the difference. I, I, 
I could tell who's Jesus. I know Jesus. And if a false Christ came, hey, I'd see him for what he is. Do you know that's not true without the word of God? The Bible, the Paul writing to the church at Corinth says that the devil can transform himself into an angel of light. And, and, and folks, I'm telling you right now, I, I say this without fear of contradiction. If Jesus Christ was standing there and the devil was standing there uh, miming him without the spirit of God living inside of us and the word of God to read and discern, we could not tell the difference. We would be deceived. We would be deceived. And so it's always a mistake to underestimate your enemy. I don't think it's ever a mistake to overestimate them. Those of you that have ever played sports, one of the worst things a team can do, ah, we got this. <laughs> you, you think you got this? It's going to get you. It, it's, it, and don't underestimate the power of the devil's deception here. And so Jesus says here, he says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. And he, he brings us up again a little further into the discussion. He says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So the deception is going to be great. It's going to be broad. And, uh, and, and nobody is exempt from it. Now, let, let me take us further into this and, and to see how, how ominous this can get. Because there is an aspect of it that I believe that we are immune to, and I, and I thank the Lord for that. And we're going to find this over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So keep your hand here in uh, Matthew 24 and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're looking at Bible prophecy concerning the Lord's return. And the first thing that Jesus has to say to all of us is be careful of deception. Be careful of deception. Beware of it. Beware of it. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2, and starting in verse 8. Starting in verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. And, and then shall that uh, wicked be revealed. He's speaking of the Antichrist in the context. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness uh, of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan... Now watch this again, with all power and signs and lying wonders. So uh, how crafty is our enemy in deception? He can even manifest signs and lying wonders. What is he doing? He is imitating what Jesus did with signs and wonders and miracles. And, and so there's, there's great deception here. And then verse 10 with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because, now watch, they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, let me say this for, this for the benefit of anybody here this morning in the building or looking on in live stream. It is extremely, extremely dangerous and potentially fatal to hear the gospel clearly and not respond to it. Now, you notice I didn't say, hear the gospel clearly and reject it. That, that goes without saying. But it's very dangerous to hear the gospel clearly and not respond to it and be saved. Why? Because the book of Hebrews says that our hearts get hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
And each time you hear it and don't respond to it, it gets a little harder to respond to it the next time. Until you come to a place where you have rejected it. And then the return of Christ comes and the rapture comes. And, and God's people are taken out of the world. And, and here's what's going to happen here. Here's what's going to happen to those who reject the gospel now. And the rapture takes place and they go into the tribulation period. They're left behind because they didn't trust Christ. They didn't get taken up with the church. And notice what happens. They receive not the love of the truth, verse 10, that they might be saved, verse 11. Now here's the worst of it. It's one thing that our eyes can deceive us. Our own understanding can fail us. Our own discernment can fall short. It's another thing to have the devil deceive us with all of his wiles and all of his temptations and all of his lying signs and wonders. But here's the worst of it right here, verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them. What's the next two words? Strong delusion. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I am so sorry this morning that I can't weep for you on this one. I, I should. I, I, the, the, the magnitude of this, it, it defies me even putting it in words. God sending men strong delusion. Look at the rest of it. That they should what? Believe a lie. But it doesn't stop there. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. My lost friend, whatever it is you're clinging to that's keeping you from trusting Christ, let go now. That pleasure, that unrighteousness is not worth it. Because once God sends a strong delusion, there's no turning back from that. And, 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 and I say to you this morning, if you're saved, I am so glad that I'll never be part of that tribe right there. Because I've received Christ as my personal Savior. And, and, and all I need to do is heed Jesus' warnings about deception and don't be arrogantly overconfident. But a lost man who rejects Christ and gets left behind at the rapture will be subject to what we just read right there. Strong delusion. And listen, God doesn't damn a man arbitrarily. He has reason for it and he shows it right there. He shows it right there. All right, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And so Jesus warns us of deception. And then we get to verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now notice what he says. See that you be not what? Troubled. Okay? See that you be not troubled. I, I, I got to admit, when, when I hear about some of the craziness that takes place around me, my initial reaction is sometimes to be troubled. Am I alone or do I have any company with this here this morning? Okay. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. For, for all these things must, must come to what? Isn't it great that it doesn't say come to stay? <laughs> all these things must come to pass. I love that expression in Bible. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. These things are coming, but they're going to pass. They're going to pass. And, and he says, but the end is not yet. Now, again, keep in mind, we're talking about people that are, are going to be in the tribulation period, are going to witness these things. But remember something. Remember something. That, that going from one period of time in God's, uh, in God's program to another, it's not like the flip of a switch. 
There, there is a transition, and we're seeing it right now. We are seeing the precursors of the great tribulation period, even before the rapture of the church. And, and so we see these things, and Jesus tells us, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't change course. Stay on track. Don't forget your marching orders. Stay on track. And don't forget that God is God and he is in control. Stay on track. Because whatever other prophets you're listening to, woke or conservative or somebody in between or mixed up to where they don't even know what they are, <laughs> they're not God. They're not God. They're false prophets. God will give you the straight stuff here. And, and while he won't pull any punches, and he'll be honest with us about how it's going to go, he tells us, okay, first thing is don't get deceived, and then the next thing he says, see that you be not troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. God is in control, folks. God is in control. You know, I don't know. Man, you know, they're coming, and they're going to get us, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and what's the worst thing that, that could happen? Honestly, what's the worst thing that could happen? They, whoever they are, could kill you and send you to heaven. <laughs> How terrible. How bad does it get? Folks, Jesus said it, fear not them that can kill the body. Don't worry about those guys. Listen, if the one that's in control of your eternal destiny says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, there's nothing they can do to you. They, whoever they are. <laughs> and by the way, I've been saved. I will be saved 50 years in August. And they, whoever they are, changes from year to year. <laughs> you know, them coming to get us. <laughs> yeah. They have different names and addresses every year. They come and go. Get your antennas down. Get, get your nose in the book, amen? <laughs> get your nose in the book. So he says, be not troubled. He says, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, okay? The end is not yet, and we, you know, we just went through a handful of uh, newspaper articles. Good grief. And, but he says in verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. You know, I, I just got to say, I'm just going to digress here for a second. I, I really love the way we, we, we handle that, um, that, intelli that intelligence balloon or two or five or ten or however many there were uh, floating around above the uh, land of the free and the home of the brave. I, I, I love the way they did it. You know, we don't want to shoot it down. It could, could fall and hit somebody in the head. So we'll let, it, we'll let it stay up there and gather more intelligence for another week or so. <laughs> Am I missing something? Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places, in diverse places, diverse places. And then verse 8, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, what verses 7 and 8 take us to is Revelation uh, chapter 6 through 16. And uh, I want you to just turn there for a moment. We're not going to study uh, 10 chapters here uh, this morning real quickly. We're, we're not going to do that. But I just want to show you something here because Jesus, and, and this shouldn't surprise us, folks, um, you can never improve on what Jesus said. 
You, you could never improve on it. You, you just can't. I often think about what Jesus said about possessions, and, and in one statement, he said more than you could say in the entire, uh, in the entire uh, congressional library when he said, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And philosophers have written volumes about the same subject and, and could, not, could not say as much as he said in that one sentence. And so what is Jesus doing? He is laying out, he is laying out Bible prophecy for us. And in this particular portion of scripture, verses seven and eight, he is looking forward to the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter six, if you want to just look there for a second, um, you have, you have uh, the seven seal judgments that, that open up into the trumpet judgments in chapter eight. Now you say, why did you go from chapter six to chapter eight? Because chapter seven is parenthetical. It talks about uh, the 144,000 uh, preachers that are gonna be sealed from the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And uh, it's a parenthetical, but then he picks up again on the seventh seal in chapter eight. And all these judgments are unleashed upon the earth. Now. Uh, initially, I said to you, the tribulation period is principally to chasten Israel back to God and that they'll receive Christ at the second advent. That is true. But secondarily, God is judging a wicked world for its wickedness. So let me say this to you. Because if you're like me, you just get agitated. You just get agitated when you hear certain things. I'm just going to tell you right now. I... I I gotta be careful what I'm gonna say. Lord, help me be careful what I'm gonna say. I take one look at my wife, that will help too. And when I hear when I hear about these these evil, wicked, gnarly, satanic maniacs that wanna mutilate little children in the name of their perverted vision of gender, I can't tell you right now what I wanna do. Okay? But the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And he will. He will. Remember when Jesus said, he said, beware. He said, he said you offend one, offend one of these little ones. It were better for what? Yeah. Imagine what he thinks of that. God's, got, God's gonna have something to say about it. Okay, so you know what Jesus said? <sighs> Take a deep breath. <sighs> Be not troubled. Hey, now, I'm going to do what I can, when I can, how I can. I'm just one man. I can't change the whole world. I mean, has anybody called you this week and asked your opinion about these things? Somebody, you know, be somebody in control, somebody in power, not just, you know, one of your friends you like to yammer with. I'm talking about somebody that actually has some authority to do something. Did, did anybody call you? They didn't call me. I vote when I can vote. I let my voice be heard. I'm doing it right now. Okay, Mr. and Mrs., whoever you are that are doing this, God's going to have something to say to you. you got more. He's going to be doing more than talking. You're going to be doing more than talking. Now, how did I get off on that? I know we were somewhere. We were in Revelation, yes. And uh, yeah, that's what he's doing. He's judging this wicked world. 
I mean, that's just one thing he sees. I mean, the murder of innocent babies. I could go on and on and on and on. It's, it's, it, you know, it's madness. But God's got it all in control, folks. You know what you and I have a problem with sometimes? I have a problem with God's long-suffering. I like it that God's long-suffering with me. Does anybody here have a problem with him being long-suffering with you? I like him being long-suffering with my wife, although he never has anything to be long-suffering with with her, but, but just in case she ever needed it. How did I do, honey? <laughs> I like it when he's long-suffering with my family. I like it when he's long-suffering with me, but I really hate it that he's long-suffering with everybody else. What's he waiting for? Why didn't he just squash him like a bug? <laughs> God's in control, folks. And he's going to judge this evil world. And you look at the book of Revelation. Let me tell you something, man. I, I, w- I wouldn't be around for anything. If you said, I'll make you a billionaire tomorrow, but the only stipulation is you got to go through the tribulation, I'd say, forget it. I'd rather be a pauper right now than a billionaire in the tribulation. You read these chapters, or you look at, I, I told you chapter 7 is parenthetical, then you get back into chapter 8, and, and the seventh seal consummates at the beginning of chapter 8, and then it goes into the trumpet judgments in chapters 8 and 9, and then it ends up into three woes, and they finish up in chapter 11, and then verses, uh, chapters 15 and 16, you got the, the vile judgments, and my goodness, I mean, I mean, everything from, from, from hail the size of bowling balls coming out of the sky to turning on your shower and blood comes out instead of fresh water. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And what's God doing? He's, he's judging this wicked world for its sins. So you get feeling that righteous indignation rising up in you. Remember something. God's going to take care of it. And by the way, I'm glad it makes you mad. Amen? We shouldn't be happy about these things. We shouldn't be all well. <laughs> and we should do what we can to change these things. But do you get the impression that this, the, the train is off the rails and it's rolling downhill at a pretty fast pace? It doesn't look like it's turning around anytime soon. God's in control, folks. Let's go back to chapter 24. Let's go back to chapter 24. And let me also say this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punctuate what I'm saying, and we're going to have to wrap this up here in a minute, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up again next week. And, but I, I, like, I like what Brother Harding said, folks, no, and, and I've said to you this recently, nothing and no one and no situation is out of the reach of what? Prayer. Okay. So pray for your country, folks. I know prophetically where everything is going. I know that. But within the grand scheme of things, God can, God can give some handfuls on purpose, some showers of blessings, and, and if people get right with him, he'll still bless them. And if a country will get right with him, he'll still bless them. So I still pray for my country. And I pray for God's people in my country and throughout the world that we'll be that remnant. We'll be that remnant that God looks at and, and he can maybe just spare his judgment a little bit longer because of that remnant. That remnant, the salt of the earth, folks. The salt of the earth. That's what we need to be, and that's what we can be. And let me tell you something. You can be the salt of the earth, and you can pray, and it doesn't matter what movers and shakers pay any attention to you one way or another, ask your opinion. It doesn't matter, because you've got a hold of God. 
If you're saved here this morning, you are a priest unto God. Male or female, you are a priest unto God. Did you hear that? Isn't that progressive? Did you hear what I just said? How progressive that is? Don't call me woke. <laughs> if you're saved, man or woman, you're a priest unto God. You can pray. You can get a hold of God. There, there's, there's the answer to everything, man. Look at verse 9 here, and we'll wrap this up here. Verse 9. And um, he says in verse 8, and these, these are the beginning of sorrows. And then he says in verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, he is speaking specifically to his disciples. They're Jewish. And in chapter 25, he's going to talk about uh, other people's treatment of his brethren, those Jews. And folks, as you see anti-Semitism growing all around you, and, and it's hard to imagine. I mean, after the lessons of World War II, after the lessons of World War II, what sane, rational thinking person would want to promote anti-Semitism? And yet we see it all around us. You say, what's behind that? It's Satan, folks. It's Satan. And God is going to stand up for his people. Folks, when it's all said and done, Jesus Christ is coming back at the second advent. And the battle of Armageddon. And you know what? If you're saved here this morning, you're coming with him. Remember I talked to you about that sense of indignation and wanting to make these things right? And like Peter, we want to pick up the sword and do something about it. Well, at the second advent of Christ, you're going to get your chance. Now, I might recommend practice riding a horse. <laughs> practice riding a horse. And if you can get a white one, <laughs> practice riding on a white horse. Because the Bible says he's coming back with 10,000s, plural, of his saints. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself is going to make everything that's wrong right. Everything that's wrong is going to be made right. And he's going to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. Folks, when you look around, don't think you're on the losing side. Folks, the devil has got his little, his little sliver of time where he's going to dance around and make a bunch of noise. Huh? Just, just like when Jesus was crucified. And, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, he said, this is Satan, Satan's hour. But that's all it is, folks. It's just an hour. It's just a short period of time. And then God's taken over and saying, enough. Enough. We have a long-suffering God. You say, what's he waiting for? What's he waiting for? Well, we heard in prayer meeting the other night of some people getting saved just this week. You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for that. Do you know why? You know why he didn't. You know why he didn't pull the lever before you got saved? It's so you could get saved. But you see, we all tend to be selfish. Well, I'm in. <laughs> okay, God, pull the lever. Wait, wait a minute. He's got a few more. He's got a few more. And when he's got all the ones he know, that he knows he's going to get, then he's going to pull the lever. And everything's going to be made right. Till that time, let's heed what Jesus said. When he said, be not troubled. Be not troubled. Folks, our marching orders is the same. Let's, let's, let's leave this place here today telling others that are looking around at all the craziness, all the craziness, and saying, what's going on? Let's show them out of the word of God what's going on. And let's give them the answer, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for their sins. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I, I just pray in some manner, shape, form, or fashion, something from the word of God would be an encouragement to each one of us. Father, I, I say of trying to teach this and preach this and the magnitude of it and the scope of it, who is sufficient for all these things? And I realize I'm not. So may your spirit just convey the truth of the word of God to our hearts and encourage us to go forward for you in dark times. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 381. Blessed Assurance, number 381. here that we might have a purpose and we might be the one to to take that high priestly job and to present uh, the needs of of the world to you help us this week father to go out boldly to to take your word to those that have not heard and lord to encourage those uh, even our friends around us that you are in charge and you have control of everything you've been where we're going to go help us to see your hand in our lives Lord, we love you. We want to see you do some work in our lives this week. We pray all this in the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our advocate. Amen.